Blog Talk Radio. Your spirit sends my heart. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Father, we praise you for the days that we're in right now. As hard as it is, as we watch the things that are going by, the various news reports, the various headlines, and we're tracking them, trying to ascertain how much longer we may have to endure this place. It's very disheartening to see the ups and the downs that are continuous. And the, uh, for example, the incredible, uh, rather alarming, 372,000 increases in job reports, even amidst the um, hyperinflation. Father, there's so many weird things going on that make it impossible, pretty much impossible for us to understand exactly what's happening. But we are still very hopeful that the indicators that I believe, at least I do, and I think many others do believe that are prophetic, um, pointing to 2024-2025 as being a major turning point, could be strong indications of when we may be leaving. And our hope will remain on that, not that we don't hope earlier, but that we, we need hope. Father, we need hope. We know that your heart is for the lost. We know that we have an ask, and that ask from you, it's an ask from the kingdom. It's an ask from the throne room for us to lean in harder on our prayer time, pray harder for the lost of the world, spend more time doing good and touching other people's lives, helping them to know that when we're giving them money for food, that it's actually coming from you because we've been blessed by you. And if it wasn't for the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ and his compassion in our hearts and our hearts, we wouldn't be giving them any money in the first place. We wouldn't be filling their gas tanks. What a wonderful witness that is and a great opportunity it is for us to be able to share the love of Jesus as the times continuously grow darker while they mysteriously appear to be getting lighter which of course we don't we cannot put our finger on all we can do is we just have to watch within with with long suffering long suffering which is just patience extraordinaire and father we many of us are tired we're weary we hear we it's it, the mishmash of reports that we get that are both test, testimonial anecdotal uh you know um uh Sometimes they're news reports that we cannot trust. Um, Sometimes there's multiple ones from different sources that we would like to trust but can't. And, Father, we don't know who to to believe. We live in a world of cesspool full of endless lies that just lies lies upon lies, precepts, (laughs) lies upon lines, precepts upon precepts. It's just unbelievable layers of lies. And in it and the the. It's just astonishing. I could, uh, in all of the years that I've been doing this, Father, I honestly cannot believe that we have come to the place that we're at right now and this earth still exists. I just, and I've heard that testimony uh, come from so many other people as well, absolutely befuddled that we're still here, given the depth of the darkness but we forget it's so easy for us to forget as we are so hypersensitive to that darkness that there are billions of lost people here on this earth that you love and that you want to bring home the good and the bad as it says in the end of uh, Matthew 22 and father we just praise you for your incredible mercy because if it wasn't for your mercy 
most of us, if not all of us, wouldn't be where we are at this time, even though our walk is imperfect. And and sanctification and drawing in closer to utter obedience, what, unbelievable surrender. That is a surrender without any holding back whatsoever, total trust in you. And But yet we still... I, I can't transcend the flesh. No matter how much I try, I just can't. I cannot. I have, uh, I, I don't know, I pray and I pray for everyone who is, I pray with everyone this evening, Father, for us to be given some type of a supernatural anointing of patience, a supernatural anointing of long-suffering, an ability to be able to continue as we grow even more and more fatigued with the roller coaster ride associated with the inconsistencies of the news flows coming from sources that were unable to verify uh, it with any certainty. And, um, and it, it's, it's a mixed bag of lies. Tens of thousands of lies in one direction and tens of thousands of lies in a completely opposite direction with no real means to be able to reconcile them. And Father, it is, it's very disheartening. We could simply go into our prayer chairs, our prayer rooms, and just spend our time alone with you, trusting you and loving you and, and residing in the secret place of the Most High. But at the same time, Lord, many of us, not all of us, some of us are in retirement. Some of us have uh, government subsidized incomes and, and we, you know, maybe maybe even disability incomes. And and, you know, we can we're OK. You know, we can you know, we're in a place where we can just hang out, you know, until whenever 2025, 2027, 20, whatever, 35, whatever the date may be. Um, but there's others of us who are at turning points in our lives where our, our, we're just stuck. We, we don't know whether we should get fantastically aggressive about paying off our houses or preparing to move to another place or making major changes in our lives. And all those decisions are contingent upon our understanding of where we are in the end times timeline. But you're not going to divulge it to us. You could, your commandment to us, and we have heard it, at least some of us have heard it loud and clear, is to shift away from worrying about what the prophetic words are and to even the prophecies, I even have a, a, a praise your name, a prophecy from Brother Dan in God's Healer 7, who I believe is very anointed, even more so than his wife. And, he, and, and it said that we are to watch the events, not the prophecies, dreams, and the visions. And not, not that we're to ignore what's in the prophecies, dreams, and visions, but we are... To, if we want to anchor ourselves in some understanding, that anchor will come from watching the events that are happening across the world and lining them up with the holy word of your throne room, our Lord Jesus. And we've done that. We, I think we've done a pretty good job of that, Father, but we're still in a type of a stalemate. And we're hypersensitive to the fact that in 2015, after thousands upon thousands of prophecies, dreams, and visions indicating that Obama wasn't going to leave office, we go into this entire Trump era, and here we are, wow, five, six, seven, seven years later, seven years later, with still 
ups and downs, roller coaster rides. One one week we're in a situation where it appears that we're in a, on a flaming, fiery toboggan. The world is 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 toppling down into a, a global reset is at at light speed. It's unstoppable, and there's nothing that's going to slow it down. And then on the flip side, in the last several days, we've seen reports that strongly indicate that a large number of the Democrats have uh, decided to protect their jobs, and so they've turned openly and and verbally out, outspokenly uh, against Joe Biden which is astonishing because that would be a world-shaking event in the sense that it would support the concept that the republican belief system it would support the concept that we know is the truth, which is that th- that th- that this entity that refers to itself as Biden is well isn't even the president, uh, and and it and the it would hamper it would hinder the powers, the authority, and the progress of the Antichrist in his current role of manipulating the global the the entire world into a state of War, famine, pestilence, destruction, death, Psalm 91, and all the things that we've been admonished by your word to watch, to read, to understand, to put into order, to align with the events that are happening in the world, which we have done. In obedience, watching and praying, continuing to pray for the saints, continuing to pray for the lost. But yet we still see this, these waves. Go, first three days, it's going down, down, down. It's going down so fast, there's no chance of recovery. And then the next three or four days, a miracle happens. And all of a sudden, you know, Boris Johnson, clearly a part of the World Economic Forum, clearly a part and in concert with the global reset, in every manner of the word, and suddenly he disappears from the United Kingdom's uh, prime minister position. It, it's so... Father, we just want to unplug from it all. We don't want to be a part of it. And yes, we're admonished in your scripture to not be a part of it. We're not supposed to be friends with the world. But at the same time, as the martyrs are crying out to you under your throne, how long? How long, O Lord? How I know we are admonished not to worry about our, uh, you know, what it is we are to wear and and all these kinds of things, and and we appreciate that that the the net result of that message really is that we are to trust you, and that you know the needs that we have. But at the same time, Father, we know so many other Christians that are quite good Christians that are in horrible, absolutely agonizingly horrible situations because of unexpected changes in their lives that they were not prepared to deal with. So we know what's possible. So it makes it hundreds of times more difficult to utterly surrender all things and not the, it, it, it's just like it was said uh, by Alex Jones and uh, just the way he put it. Now, I don't know if he got it from somebody else and repeated it or whatever, but Father, when he said that if you're in a rowboat and you can feel the waves pushing your boat toward the rocks, you need to row the boat while you're praying to God. Not just sit there like a jellyfish 
That's that's pretty much exactly what he said. And Father, there's a lot of truth to that. It's all over the Bible. It's all throughout Proverbs. It's all throughout our guidance. Is that we're supposed to make choices and pray our way through it. Pray that you will open doors that are to be opened in our lives and slam shut those that we are not to walk through. But at the same time, we've come to a place of turmoil where we can only assume that the throne room is so utterly busy that, I mean, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine in my wildest anointed imaginations, I cannot even begin to imagine how astonishingly busy the throne room of God is. Yet at the same time, Father, we pray that you will have mercy upon us. Just because we're on the boat doesn't mean we don't suffer, because we do. We really do. We suffer emotionally. It's literally traumatizing. It's, it's an awful, horrible place to be, seeing all these things happening, seeing prophecies come out from otherwise good prophets that are slanted, off-kilter, biased toward their individual life situations, biased toward what information is being pumped into their Facebook page or whatnot, and we can see the bias. There isn't harmony in them. They're speaking different – it's like it's almost like multiple different Jesuses sitting you know, in a row in heaven giving – prophets different messages they don't line up there isn't congruence and it's it's that makes it even utterly so it i stutter i am not a stutterer but yet i stutter because of what we're seeing happening right now across the world the only thing that's consistent is inconsistency we don't know where the ship is heading we don't know how hard to row the boat. We don't know which way the gale will blow. And we, I know we have to trust you even more in these times. And I pray, please, Father, in the name of Jesus, for all of us, particularly for those who are also watching with the same intensity as I, because the more intense one watches, the more um, acute their ability is to analyze tens of thousands of pieces of information that are not congruent and going in many different directions like fireworks explosions and to try to figure out whether to row to the left or to the right to avoid the rocks. Lord, we need your help. We need it. And I, know, I believe with all of my heart the throne room is unbelievably busy. And I believe with all of my heart for those of us who can speak in tongues, if we're not speaking in tongues more than we have ever in our entire life more frequently and for longer periods of time, we are, well, missing the boat. That it may be the only thing that breaks our prayers through the billions of people that may be praying, even in some cases to a God that they don't really know. But we know your heart, and we know that you would not want one to perish. That's a big number, and that's a lot of prayers. That's a lot of prayers. And all of those prayers have to be measured in so many ways that only you, our Father, could do. Yet at the same time, in the parable of uh Uh, of the um, prodigal son, how acute our memory is in regard to the the good son or the son that didn't go prodigal. 
the son that was there and felt, I don't know, it, it even felt, even as you read it, it almost feels like that son felt a little bit jilted when the prodigal son came back and you were so happy. But we understand that happiness because that person came back from sheer, for, from eternal fire, from hellfire forever and ever. No wonder you would be joyful for that prodigal son to return. No wonder all the angels in heaven would be happy when one, when a person, uh, when a single person turns against, turns away from sin. It's an amazing thing that your love would be so focused on that. But yet at the same time, we would be representative of the other son, the one that was befuddled because of your incredible joy that the prodigal son who was naughty came back. And here we are trying as hard as we can to maneuver and deal with all of the things that we're dealing with right now. Yet sometimes we feel forgotten. But we know your divine protection is with us. We believe that the prayers that we are praying are being answered. We, we believe with all of our hearts that the holy fire that we declare to protect our homes, to, to whirl and swirl through every room, burning, shutting, uh, uh, welding, shut every portal, uh, burning every demon into screaming horrific agony. We, we believe that the uh, platoons of angels that we called down to ferret out the indirect attempts to come against us are in action. We believe that you are protecting us. We know it as a fact otherwise things would be quite different for many of us for sure but at the same time it doesn't there's it is so unbelievably hard father and we need frankly we need more help we need more help we know that you know that what we need um we know what the scripture says about how intimately you understand our individual needs and we but at the same time paradoxically we are also commanded to continue to ask and continue to stay in prayer so i guess they both go hand in hand in some way but at the same time lord what is it that we can do in our walk teach us please in jesus name to understand what it is that we can do in our walk to be able to navigate to navigate what I perceive personally as the most difficult part of my life ever, even worse than when there were attempts on my life that I don't even want to revisit. The ups and the downs associated with this walk, the, the depression, the, the attacks against our fellow brothers and sisters and members of our families, the fire victims, the, the uh, divorces, the attacks coming from the husbands and the wives, they all line up with the Olivet Discourse. They all line up with all of your warnings, Jesus. But the question, I guess, that is on our heart more than anything else is how long? How much more horrible does all of this have to become for us? And is there any way that you can anoint us in a, in a fashion, in a manner. I, we don't understand even how to, I don't understand how to ask for it. I praise you for Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And we praise you for that, Father, and we thank you for hearing our prayers. But we, we need a little more. We need quite a bit more, actually. Because all of these supposed outpourings of the Holy Spirit that have been prophetically promised to us are, well, obviously pretty far down the road. 
because they're not happening now. And anybody who's claiming otherwise is probably not even in alignment with your word and standing on the top of some seven mountains group. Oh, Father, we praise you for the days that we are in right now. We thank you, but we also ask you from the very depth of our hearts. We ask you to help us. We ask you for words, um, supernatural, anointed, unimpeachable, clear words to strongly push us in the directions that we need to go. Hard. Because in the turmoil of this roller coaster ride of lies that we're thrust in and forced to be a part of, it is virtually impossible to make a proper um, decision with what we should do, ought to do, or plan for. Or do we just throw our hands up in the air and say, I trust God, and let whatever bad thing happened to us happen? Otherwise, why, Father, would your scripture say, when, when, and I'm trying to think of how this verse goes exactly, when, um, when a man's ways bring, when a man's choices bring his, his him to, his ways bring him to, to folly or whatever, his heart rages against the Lord. So the scripture is very clear. I believe that's a proverb. I'd have to look it up, but it, it, it is, it, the scripture to me is very clear that, and it has, there's so many other scriptures that echo it, that basically say, we can make decisions that are bad decisions. But making no decision at all is also a bad decision. Once again, another supernatural paradox. Therefore, we pray in the name of Jesus, humbly before your throne, Father, please, acknowledging that your heart is for the lost and that you may execute a delay of game, call an audible, and the aspirations and hopes and dreams that we have as collectively part of the martyrs under the throne in the way that we feel, wanting to know how long, wanting some guidance that we just need to take a back seat, actively be as obedient as we can be, reside in the secret place of the Most High, tolerate the challenges, in some cases the horrible agony associated with our lives, the deaths of our loved ones, the, I should say the multitude of the deaths of our loved ones. In what appears to our hearts in an earthly view to be deaths that occurred that were not answered by our prayers in some cases. Surely, for a perfect, timing, godly, awesome reason that we don't understand. But nevertheless, in our flesh, it hurts. And I guess it's just the fulfillment of the prophecies that Jesus gave us for the days that we are in right now. Because if we realize that the Scripture is an understatement, which it clearly, clearly, clearly is, then the period of sorrows has got to be far worse than what we're in even now. 
the only promise in the scriptures that you gave us. I find it bleed troubling, but ever so obvious that in the scriptures regarding us not worrying, we were only told not to worry about clothing and food, essentially. But never were we told that we didn't have to be concerned about our dwelling place. In fact, our Lord Jesus made comments about that he had no place to rest his head. Which, of course, to those of us who embrace the word of God as, as, as it ought to be anointed and spiritual in its meaning, but literal in its interpretation, for the, unless it absolutely is a metaphor, it can be quite troubling to embrace that as being a possibility of many of our futures, particularly as we grow older and more tired and fatigued and exhausted with the things of this world, threatened ever, threatened continuously by death at the hands of some of the most evil, seething evil creatures that have ever been created by the fall of Lucifer. When your scripture says that the Antichrist would be allowed to wear down the saints. It's hard to, un hard to imagine that we're not in the midst of that period now. And what if, it is, what if the period that we're in right now is only the precursor period to that period and we haven't even begun? What does it mean to be in the sorrows period? How long, Father, until the global financial collapse and the end of the third seal? Which direction is it that we need to row? Nevertheless, we love you. We thank you for all the wonderful things that you have done for us. And we, we, are, we, we pray for an anointing of grace to fall upon our hearts, to continuously recognize the blessings that each of us have, to praise you for them with gratitude that is beyond the bounds of this earth. Gratitude that is eternal in its nature. A depth of love that is beyond our comprehension. To live that and to be it. To be at rest in your presence while the entire world is exploding all around us. But with a heart of patience that aligns with your desire to save hundreds of millions more people with an expectation of our gratitude to remain consistent, our works to be fruitful, our patience to be unlimited, and our trust to be unfathomable. We ask you for that strength as we watched all the global indicators switch directions suddenly. But of course with no guarantee of anything. Help us to ride out this storm with grace, peace, trust, love, and fruitful works to the day of our departure. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Thank you, Father. We really need the extra help. Hallelujah. Tonight is July the 8th of 2022, the 9th of Tammuz, 5782. The next holiday is the 17th of Tammuz, July 17th of 2022. The time now is 732 on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. Hallelujah. And together, if you feel so led, we light the Sabbath or, if you want to call it, the Shabbat candles. And, of course, with uh, Romans 14's guidance, we can... Have the Sabbath every day if we want. We can have it on Wednesdays if we want. We can have it, you know, our communion with you, Father, is continuous. It can be every day. It probably ought to be every day. And we thank you, Father, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We light, I like to light three candles in your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. Amen. The Hebrew Kadesh. Aruchat Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Peri HaGaten Baruchat Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav Veratzavanu Vishabat Kodsho Be'avahu V'ratzon Inchilanu Zikaron le mase vereshit. Ki hu yom techila le mikra e kodesh. Zechelitziat mitzrayim. Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabhat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, himchaltanu. Baruch Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Holy Lord Jesus, we pray that you will cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire. Please purify us, Father. Father, I pray that you will forgive me of my sins. I pray, Father God, for the forgiveness of the sins of any of those who are participating in this program now, live, or those who are praying with this, with this program in a recorded podcast at a later time. In the name of Jesus, Father, I ask you, please, forgive us all of our sins. Forgive us I ask you to, that you would forgive our, my, all my fellow brothers and sisters of their sins, just like it says in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us of our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. But, Father, we pray for our fellow brothers and sisters fervently because so many of us, I, I don't know all the sins that I commit. I don't know. I really just don't. And I don't think most of us do. Now, we do have some that we know really, really well that are those that we must ever very strongly avoid. But 
there are subtle sins that we are seeped in and don't even realize, like lack of faith, uh, unbelief. Um, the list just goes on and on. And Father, we pray for one another. We ask you, please, in the name of Jesus, to forgive each of us of our sins and to help us to utterly purify in the days that we have now, which are clearly days of grace, because if they weren't, the ramifications would not be positive. Father, we praise you for your grace. We thank you so much for all the wonderful and awesome things you have done for us. We're graciously and ever full of gratitude for the miracles that have occurred all throughout our lives that we, so many of which we have forgotten about. So many times that we should be dead or maybe imprisoned, but by some miracle, we weren't. It's in my own personal testimony, it could be in the hundreds, but it's probably closer to something like 20 different events that are very, very noteworthy. But of course, many of which I cannot even remember most of the time. But Father, you are so awesome to bring us to the place that we are because the journey for so many of us has been such a it's just a, it's mind-blowing. It's just mind-blowing. We can go back in many cases all the way to our childhood. We can go back 20, 30 years and remember things that are impossible, that couldn't possibly have happened if your supernatural hand of grace had not been upon us. And we have to estimate clearly that we're still in your hand of grace. And that the very fact that we are is a gift because we maybe we're not where we need to be. So we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will anoint us in such a way that we will continue our journey to draw in closer to you in, in perfect obedience and in your presence to find that harmony that is necessary in our lives to, as difficult as it is, which is, boy, it's, it's too difficult for me, I can't do it without an anointing, Father, and I, I pray for that anointing to fall upon every one of us. I pray that you will forgive each of us, of every, every one of us, of sins, even sins that we do not know that we have committed, that we can't confess of because we're unaware of them. Father, help us to walk and teach us to walk in sublime, I hope that's the right word, perfect is a better word, uh, alignment with your holy will, uh, drawing ever closer to you, spending ever, ever more time in your word and in your holiness and in your obedience in the days that we have now, because it could be beyond our understanding that without this Let's just call it a period, a grace period, which we know that we're in the midst of still, even though many have claimed that that is no longer the case. They are, we know that they're not correct. We clearly know that they're not correct. And we thank you so much for that incredible grace. And, if, and whatever it is that we need to do, whatever it is, whatever changes that we need to make, help us to make those changes, Father. Lead us, please, through your anointing. Help us, please, to hear that still, small voice with great clarity that we can draw in closer and to be ultimately chosen to be part of the barley harvest, to be part of the first fruits bride. 
Yes, because we want to leave as soon as possible, but also because we want to please you. We want to be anointed with great wisdom in understanding what it is we can do for you now to serve you. And we know a lot, but we don't know all. But Father, you know. Please help us in our walk. We pray in Jesus' name and thank you. Hallelujah. Amen, Father. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split-open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship, and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship, for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. Lord Jesus, if this anointed passion translation of Song of Songs, Song of Solomon 2.13b through 2.15, in its spiritual touch, it asks us to catch these sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. And it promises us that you will help us. Lord Jesus, we ask you, please, if we are going to do it together, which we believe, I believe, with all of my heart, and I've seen evidence of it in my walk, that we're going to do it together. Please help us, each of us individually, to identify those foxes, to find them where they hide, and to ever increase in our holiness and Father, your righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen.
Father, boy, is this happening now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Matthew, oops, I moved the show notes very far away from where I was. Thank you, Father. Here we go. Matthew ten thirty-five to 39. For I have come to set man against his father, daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Amen. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. How many of us... How many of us have lost our lives? What this means in my walk, clearly, is 
the sacrifices that we have individually made that have resulted in our ostr uh, I don't even know if this of our being ostracized from friendship ostracized from a meaningful relationship in some cases ostracized from any kind of companionship and when we're awakened to the um the woefully un what is the most father for I need a word that is not mean, not nasty, not snarky, that is kind and understands that they are still our brothers and sisters, even though it is so easy in our hearts to be upset with them. Because we realize for decades and decades and decades we sat in pews and moved absolutely nowhere in our walk. And Father, we just pray for the churches out there, the hundreds of millions of people that are a part of it all across the world. And especially those churches that are not anointed, that are that are lost. They're really, really lost. Some of them are more so than others, of course. And we thank you for delivering us from those. But it also creates a dynamic in our lives where we have less than zero fellowship. So when we look at setting, you know, man against father and daughter against mother and and your words here, it says he who finds his life will lose it. That would be finds a life here on the earth that they love, that they are big on that they're a part of and they're just engrossed in so much so that it becomes more important for them to be a part of the world than to spend time in your presence Jesus but those of us who lose our lives lose our companionship lose our friendship lose our spouses lose our sometimes our homes and it even says in other parts of the scripture that we would receive because of that uh, rewards a hundred a hundredfold, whatever that means, because we don't know, we can't comprehend it. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you will pour out a a, a type of peace upon us that is beyond. I know the scripture says the peace that passes all understanding, and that's exactly what we need. Peace and absolute trust. Peace and absolute trust. As you know, Father, I just got a bit of a troubling email from my work that, of course, had to jump in front of my face on the phone <clears throat> after hours on a Friday. But that's okay, because I know that I am totally in your hands. Wherever this, wherever this life leads... All that really matters is what the direction that we're heading, which we pray in Jesus' name, is only into your into your presence. As the prayer says in the book of Jude, not to him who is able to do... Oh, no, no that's the wrong one. Uh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for all the distractions. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, now to him, ah, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. That's the wrong one. That's Ephesians 3.20. Praise you, Jesus. It's the other one. Hallelujah. Ah, I always, um, 
always get unhappy when I when there's a scripture that there's two scriptures that are very similar. Ephesians three twenty. That particular prayer is is surprisingly like the one in Jude, which I adore, and I'm going to call up right now because I want to collect it. Here it is. It's toward the end. Yes, and now saha. See see how this how close it is. It says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. It's so similar to the beginning of Ephesians three twenty. You know, uh, thank you, Jesus. Father, we just now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before your presence someday with exceeding joy. I added the someday, but we know it'll be someday. To you, Father, we give you all the glory. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will keep us from stumbling. We can only assume that that, what that is talking about is an eternal stumble because we know that our walk is imperfect even now. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is Holy, our Father. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Isaiah 57, 15. Father, help us. Please help me to deal with the astonishing, impossible to deal with stress that's associated with being embedded in corporate America in such a fashion to watch the crumpling of major corporations happening as the S&P 500 is dropping harder and faster than it has historically ever down 20% and heading faster into the pit, destroying companies and literally leading people to a very, very awful, horrible place where they will lose their homes, their families, even in the midst of job reports going up to 372,000 in the last couple of days, which is a seems to be some type of an indicator of recovery, but could very well be a deception. Help those of us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name, that are a part and cannot help but be a part of that workplace. We don't want to walk around in the streets looking for sandwiches and hoping that, you know, and and just praying for a bag of french fries to fall out of the back of someone's car. And there are scriptures that powerfully indicate that that is not going to be the case for those of us who are generous to the poor, who give and seed into the kingdom, who love you and are trying very hard to walk in your obedience and to walk in your righteousness and to seek you and to reside in that secret place of the Most High and to pray continuously for the lost of the world. We want to embrace those promises with the utmost of assurance and know that we are in your hands and protected divinely. Oh, if we could only switch off. Oh, if we could only disconnect. Not out of ignorance, like so many of our fellow brothers and sisters. Or because of deceptive beliefs, like Seven Mountains mandate. But because we truly do know that you are going to protect us, no matter what. And that that protection will include more than just clothing and food. 
We pray, Father, that you will protect our dwelling places, our homes, where we live, where we reside, that we'll have a roof over our heads, that we'll have a way and a means to feed ourselves. We know that the day is going to eventually come. By reading the scripture, it indicates, Father, that the that uh, the really super super duper dark times don't come until it, it just doesn't seem scripturally. I just cannot pull it out of the scripture to indicate that the really, 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 really dark times come until the sixth seal, and surely after after that. However, it's impossible to know, with World War III looming, how far even the first fruits barley harvest will have to go into that period, and how horrible and awful that will be, with Russian and Chinese jets flying overhead, dropping bombs on our cul-de-sacs, as we are on our knees in prayer, trusting you and knowing, and being okay with dying because we get to come home, even if it isn't in the rapture. Because, Father, I am absolutely, I don't. I can't speak for everybody else. I can't do it. But I can tell you, and I know that you can look in my heart and know that I am absolutely, unbelievably, I'm in love with the idea of dying. I absolutely adore it. I just don't want to do it in extended periods of pain and agony like so many of our fellow brothers and sisters have had to endure. But if a bomb were to drop on my house tonight, it would be a blessing that I could not put into words. Even if all I was worthy of receiving in rewards was a little teeny, tiny little Thomas Kincaid house many miles away from Mount Zion. What a praiseful, amazing, glorious, wonderful thing that would be to even be found worthy enough to have something like that in the country mansion area of heaven. The stress and the tensions, the sleepless nights, the challenges and difficulties with friends and family and all these other things that we have to deal with are, are astonishingly difficult and I suspect will become even way more difficult, which it simply just means that it'll become so hard that we can't even begin to put it in the words, and the only thing that we have left is tears, which many of us have an abundance of already. Sustain us, Father, with your grace. Sustain us with your anointing of peace and love. Allow us to live, John 14 27, it appears to be. Thank you, Jesus. Where you told us, Lord, that peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We praise your name forever and ever. Amen.
and be joyous as the angels are when one sinner stops sinning and repents. Lord, lead us and teach us. Anoint us and give us that anointing of trust. Pour it out upon us. Allow it to fall upon us, even in our sleep, as a soft October snow, and embed into the very Spirit of Christ, which resides within us, making us essentially enjoined with the very Godhead. What a blessing that is to realize that by virtue of Christ in us and the presence of the Holy Spirit abiding within us, that we are actually united with the Godhead. And it is only through our struggles in the flesh that we sometimes might grieve the Holy Spirit and we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that that doesn't happen very often, although I'm not sure we can ever be perfect. We ask you, Father, to draw us in, to bring us to a place as close to being perfect as possible, especially during the days that we're in right now. How difficult it is for us being a part of the, let's just call it the Ecclesiastes 118 crowd, if it is a crowd or if it, who knows, maybe it's just a teeny weeny little sub remnant. I don't know. But Lord, we just ask you for your presence to be overwhelming in our lives, for you to lead us. Place upon our hearts a hunger. Place upon our hearts a desire to be to to want to just close the doors if we're able if we're if we're blessed with a really big family of children jumping all around the house and and uh, spouses asking us to do all sorts of honeydew things and we're just not able to to break away then father we ask you for some kind of supernatural touch upon our lives that would allow us to find that time even amidst of all of that blessings of families and activities in our lives Help, help us to understand and, and what a blessing it'll be if we can take that extra effort, convert the time that we normally spend doing other things, probably for maybe for good reasons, to disconnect a little bit from the ugly of this world that we're aware of, and to convert that time into time that is spent better in the presence of your word, praise, and worship to enhance our walk and draw us in even closer to be able to take advantage of this up and down roller coaster ride period that we're in right now that clearly appears to be um in the midst somewhere in the midst of the second and third seal but not progressing nearly as fast as most of us would have anticipated probably because of your incredible mercy which I don't think any of us will fully understand ever we praise you for that, and we ask you, Lord, more than anything, for the renewing of our mind and the renewing of our strength, that we would mount up as with wings of eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not faint, Isaiah 40, 30, 31. We praise you, Lord. We praise you for loving us enough to tolerate our weaknesses in the flesh, to tolerate our troubled hearts as we watch the things happen around us as we actually participate in the death of our families and the death of our loved ones, people that are very close, sisters and brothers and aunts, uncles, and just so many, just friends that are very close. And knowing that those were deaths that were brought on by attacks of the darkness, but believing beyond 
belief in your word and your promises that tell us things like, uh, you know, that we're to have faith in you, Father, that whatever we ask when we pray, if we believe it, we'll receive it, that we will have it, Mark eleven twenty three, And that when we pray for our loved ones, even those loved ones that are on their deathbeds, we understand miraculously and most incredibly, um, wow, supernaturally, that your mercy is so great and your response to the prayers of us is so unbelievable that you would even bring them in the presence of the throne room and allow them to accept Jesus in their heart after their death. Although while it's although it's much more likely, of course, that while they're in the throes of death with tubes coming out of their bodies, that they're being visited by angels on account of our prayers and accepting Jesus in their heart before their heart stops beating. But we know it's all of the above, not just one or the other, because you've revealed it to the hearts of babes. You've helped us to understand why Paul, why he didn't admonish and rebuke the people in the church of Corinth for baptizing the dead. And how all 100% of Christianity glazes over such scriptures and never asks the question why they were doing it in the first place. And never asks, asks the question why Paul didn't rebuke them for doing it if it was wrongful. But he didn't. He may have admonished them that there were other things that needed to be attended to, but he didn't rebuke them for doing it, which opens up an amazing question. Why were they? How much power do we have over death through the power of the name of Jesus that we, even though we don't see, believe? How much more power do we have than we realize when we praise you for things that we don't see? How strong, Father, is that blessing that Jesus gave to all of us through the doubting heart of Thomas? And the words of that man who said, Helps thou mine unbelief! To ultimately witness compassion and miracles. We thank you for those blessings for those of us who have not seen. And we thank you for helping us to understand that part of our test in this world, which we'll be rewarded for, with beyond any shadow of a doubt, we will be rewarded for, no doubt. No doubt. We thank you for helping us to understand that part of that test is to continue to praise you and to praise you, Lord Jesus, and to thank you. Thank you for those things that we have not seen. The answers to the prayers. To realize that when our sisters are are dying slowly in, in, in a hospital with a morphine drip, that our prayers are being answered to let them go if if the will of, if your will father is the is that you want to bring them home 
and to remember to pray for them and to be happy for them because you know that your prayers are going to be answered, even if they were seeped in sin at the time that they were placed in the hospital and on respirators or whatever. Let us not slip, Father, in the name of Jesus, into a state of sin and unbelief, selfishly desiring them to stay on the earth to keep us company, actually calling them home. Help us to remember that we, through our prayers, have the power in Christ as part of the Godhead and a royal priesthood to give them the greatest relief, the most glorious, wow, change to move into eternity into the presence of the glory of God, our Father, to keep our mind stayed on things above and not on things of this world, Colossians 3, 2. To recognize that we are not from here, we are citizens of heaven. To give us the strength to continue to watch and pray especially for one another and the lost. Give us the heart and the compassion of our Lord Jesus. We pray this from the very bottom of our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We want more. We beseech you for more. And we praise your name. In the name of Jesus, we clear the air now. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places, between ourselves and the throne room, in the mighty name of Jesus, we disarm you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we call down the fire of God to burn you into screaming agony and scatter you throughout the darkness, making a public spectacle of you. In Jesus' name and in accordance with Colossians 2.15, we sever your heads with the sword of the Spirit. We cancel your assignments against us. Get out in the name of Jesus Christ, we bind and cast you into the pit, into chains of darkness unto judgment. How dare you disobey? In the name of Jesus Christ, we rebuke you. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, we loose you from our households. We loose you from our property. We loose you from your attempts to attack us. We bind and cast you out into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. And we declare the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you in the screaming agony in the mighty name of Jesus. And we plead the blood of Jesus to seal that pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise you, Father God. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, together in, with the uh, united, oh, Father God, where two or three are gathered together, there you are in our midst. Father, we pray that this is seen by your throne room through your grace as a corporate prayer with all of us praying together. Those of us who are listening live across the Internet, those of us who are listening over uh, the telephone through calling into the show, those of us who are listening to a program uh, through a recording on another day. Father, we pray that our prayers come together as one united corporate prayer before your throne where two or three oh yay so many more are gathered together in the mighty name of jesus so much more so are you are are you in our midst and we praise you father god for acting upon these prayers and we praise you lord jesus for the promises that are in the scripture because we stand on those promises and we will not fail to continue to pray 
thank you, Jesus, for it is the greatest gift that any saint could be given. It is the most powerful uh, expression of our mission on this earth. Glory be to God. Thank you for revealing it to us. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we declare, we decree, and we plead with the courts of heaven, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to descend from the heavens and to swirl around about our dwelling places on all sides, on all sides, in a continuous manner, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for an infusion of the winds of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for warrior angels, mighty warrior angels, to stand guard at our dwelling places and to follow us wherever we go. We declare the holy fire of God to encapsulate and encircle our cars and encircle our, our wherever we go, when we get out of our cars to buy food, when we get out of our cars to go into the post office, wherever it is that we, we venture in our in our times here in, on the, in, the, in this prison planet, Father, we pray for that fire. We pray for the accompaniment of the warrior angels to stand guard at our side. Uh, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for the dispatch of a platoon of, of search and destroy angels in Jesus' name to ferret out on our behalf any indirect threats to come against us, attacks against our jobs, attacks against our, our, uh, the assignments on our jobs, attacks against our uh, job security, attacks against our ability to maintain the cost of living in our households, the attacks against our loved ones, the attacks against our uh, every aspect of our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus that those angels will be assigned the duty in Jesus' name to protect us, to ferret out these attacks proactively, to shut down all portals, to tear up all demonic contracts, to wipe out all demonic agreements in the mighty name of Jesus. At the very moment that any entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, at the moment that they set their wills against us, we declare the fire of God to shoot down directly from the glory pillar in the throne room and to burn these entities into screaming horrific agony, making a public spectacle of them across all of the demonic ether and the stench of the foul air of Satan himself. We pray in the name of Jesus that they are made a spectacle in Jesus' name, that all the other demons will see them and run. Father, let the power of the Lord Jesus Christ emanate from our very prayers and all of our prayers to be enveloped in a holy fire tornado as it melts through the firmament of the rock and unites in the glory, uh, uh, unites in the throne room amidst the glory pillar before you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Hear our prayers, Father, and act upon them now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We pray for these divine protections to be uh, uh, to be expanded, Father God, uh, to, to be uh, expanded uh, outward as far as is necessary to envelope and completely surround all of our loved ones, Father. If they are on their deathbed, Father, we pray that we have the grace. We pray that we have the strength. We pray that we have the uh, the heavenly vision to understand the release of the glory of of, of moving to heaven uh, on their behalf and believe that our prayers transcend all that that beyond our, our comprehension and that they will be in heaven waiting for us. Let us let go of those in our lives, Father, that we treasure their appoint their, their we treasure their company so desperately that we're willing almost uh, oh Father, so many of us we just can't we have such a hard time letting go and we have entered into a time lord god no question about it where we're watching our loved ones die we're watching things happening and, and we're experiencing 
we're seeing it and we're anticipating the possibility that it could increase. And we just pray, Father, that we are truly given the eyes that are necessary to see the eternal glory and the unspeakable happiness that by virtue of our wanting them to stay with us, we rob them of. Help us to see things through your eyes and to believe. Help us to know that Rob Skiba is so happy right now that there isn't a single word that could be said in all of heaven that would want him to come back. Help us to understand that Douglas Riggs and his death from COVID is so happy right now, so glorified, shining in the presence of Mount Zion, unbelievably blessed with unspeakable joy in the presence of your throne room, in the presence of the city mansion and his country mansion. Help us, Father, to see with eternal eyes and to just give you praise and glory and thank you and true gratitude as we watch those who in our flesh we feel sad for, but we shouldn't. Help us to be happy, truly, truly gushing in joy for those that are moving on to a place that we can only wish to move on to at this time. Help us, Father, to see that joy, to recognize it, to embrace it, and to know it, especially as the days go forward. We praise your holy name and thank you forever and ever, forever and ever. Amen. Glory be to you, Father. Praise your holy name. vessel was down enough Am I worthy enough to seek him or have I forsaken my quest for the Lord You seem to forget that I would never let my children fall prey to destruction Your longing itself is the proof that you are mine Don't forget where you belong Like the steadiness of the sun Keep on burning, never turn Just keep this up and you will learn That my children need my love every day
remember those moments It would always wake you up Now look at my eyes in your mirror And give me one single reason to stop The wrong that you did, I won't remember it What matters to me is that your spirit is shining Just rest in my light and watch those shadows dissolve Praise the plain away Don't forget where you belong Like the steadiness of the sun Keep on burning, never turn Keep it up and you will learn That my children need my light every day Never forget that this is always your home You can come as you are and you'll always be loved In my presence time is gone Future mistakes were all forgiven by me If you hold to my words you will always be free this promise will stand till the end of time. It was paid in full when I called you mine. Praise the pain away. Don't forget where you belong. Like the steadiness of my son. Keep on burning. Never turn away. Just keep this up. And you will learn That my children needs my light Every day Jesus. This time I like to use holy oil. I love it. <clears throat> the name of the Father and the Son. And a more here. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Father, we consecrate ourselves into your complete ownership, Lord, into your complete Lord Jesus, into your hands. Total ownership, total surrender, total trust. We consecrate ourselves into that, into the realm of total ownership, total love, presence, and trust in you with utter abandon, absolute surrender. Do with us what you will. Lead us and guide us and help us to identify those troubling little foxes. Lord, we renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against us 
as a royal priesthood. First Peter two nine. Father, we plead and pray for your abundant grace, the living water and the crystal river to flow into us, to purify us, so that we become Titus one fifteen. To the pure, all things are pure. Father, we plead the blood of our Lord Jesus upon us for healing our emotions, our hearts, our troubled minds, healing them and filling them with joy because we're on the boat. For these are not joyous times, not here, and it requires a supernatural anointing, and we're asking you for that now. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus and declare in Jesus' name that any weapons, earthly or spiritual, that are raised against us, any fiery darts, are immediately vaporized by the protection of your holy fire. We turn away from the devils and the demons of darkness. We declare the fire to burn them in the screaming agony. We rebuke them in Jesus' name. We cancel all demonic assignments. We break all yokes of bondage. We declare the fire of God to vaporize any curses that these entities attempted to place against us. We decree your holy fire, a thorny hedge of protection around about us, and to be sustained by a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit throughout the whole entire next week. In Jesus' name, we praise you, Father, for we abandon ourselves into your hands. We pray that you will do with us what you will. Whatever you may do, we praise you. Father, we want in our hearts to be ready for anything that we might have to go through and to be able to endure it with grace, honoring you by being just like Jesus was when he was at the peak of his suffering. Father, we pray that you will anoint us in a manner that we are able to accept all with grace, not being sad or feeling like we've been abandoned by you, but being excited about the next chapter of the journey that you want us to walk on, walk through. Realizing that the place of comfort that we may have come to in our lives may not be nearly as glorious as the place that you have have decided that we are to go. Help us to be and teach us to be as the Apostle Paul being content in all aspects of his life, whether he was hungry, tired, blessed, eating well, always content in knowing that he was walking in your presence and destined for glory, even though he was imperfect. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had the thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. So even as amazing an example as the Apostle Paul was for each of us, what a lesson to learn to realize that he too had to be kept in check. And he too was able to admit his own weaknesses. Forgive those of us in the body of Christ who have presumptuously 
and do currently sin against you, presuming that they have come to a place through their own behaviors and choices, which may be good, but assuming that where they are in their walk is unimpeachable and that they have no sin and that they are, well, self-righteous through their own determination. When it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, Father, not ours, because we don't have it. We struggle for it. And you bless us with yours. 1 John 3, 7. For he who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Jesus is righteous. Well, when one practices righteousness, it means they're not. They're only practicing it. They're trying. Thank you for the revelations of understanding that our contrite spirit are being the tax collector and not the Pharisee. Help us to navigate the ambiguity of this walk amidst the emotional peaks and valleys, tsunamis in some cases, that we have to endure as we draw in ever closer, we pray to you, imperfect, sometimes three steps or two steps back, but always wanting to be more. We wish we could come home now, Father. Father, we really wish we could come home now. We thank you for having the faith in us that we don't have. And we ask you for all of the help that you would be through your loving kindness and the multitude of your tender mercies willing to give us. Into your hands, Father, we commit our soul in Jesus' name. Into your hands, Father, we commit our spirit in Jesus' name, even as it is trapped in the flesh. As we finish our sentence, as we serve you, honored and blessed by the incredible revelation of eternity and love that cannot be described. Colors in the trillions. Sensitivities and senses that are so far beyond that which we're able to experience here now. Trees and plants and flowers that when walked through don't even bend. They just spring right back up. No sign of entropy. No sign of dead leaves. Everything is green. The plants and the flowers sing. The water rolling over the stones and the gemstones makes music. The children run and play happily. Friendship with those who we didn't even know we knew from a time ever so long ago that via the cup of forgetfulness we don't know now, but we'll know later. Being blessed in a way that we cannot understand today through endless incredible gifts that were custom made just for us 
by people who knew us before there was time. The blessing of being rewarded with a beautiful home, a beautiful dwelling place. Made with all of the things that we like because you want to please us, Father. Just as your scripture says, if we only understood all of the things that you want to do to bless us, those of us who love you. We want to come home so bad, Father. We can't stand it. But we don't want to be disobedient to the calling that we were assigned to. I don't want to be here. I openly admit it. And you already know it. I don't want to be here at all. I got nothing left. Except stress. Stressors and more stress. But yet, I'm blessed because I have no friendship with this earth. May all of us come to a place on our walk where, as prisoners of Christ, or should I say fellow prisoner, prisoners of Christ, place where we are truly at enmity with the earth because we don't want to be at enmity with you, Father. We want our hearts and our minds to be so engrossed with the prospects of departure not simply for the sake of escape, because we don't want to endure difficult times. What we really want is to make you happy and to serve you in a way that make our Father happy. That you would love us. We know that you love us in the sense that the Scripture speaks of in the sense that people who have gone to heaven have testified. But we haven't experienced it, not directly, only through testimony and recollection of events in our lives that were supernatural in their nature, had to be, because of our faith. But we don't know what it feels like to be outside of this body. And we do know that being inside of this body, certainly after a certain age, is pretty unpleasant, putting it lightly. Even though the scripture says that if we have hoary hair, white hair, that we're, being, that we're blessed. Almost certainly because it gave us more time on the earth to draw in closer to you and to do more for the kingdom, reaping greater rewards. For behold, I come quickly and my rewards are with me to give to each according to their work. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to have boundless confidence without any reserve for the days that we have ahead. Trust that is so supernatural that it astonishes us. Just astonishes us. Thank you, Father, for loving us that much. Thank you, Father, for leading us, guiding us, with your holy, righteous right hand. We praise you, Jesus, for the prayers that you pray for us. We ask you not only to advocate on behalf of each of us, especially now in this exceedingly dark time, but also to ask the cloud of witnesses to pray even more 
for those of us who carried the burden of wisdom and knowledge associated with the depth of the darkness that we are in the midst of and the challenge of the journey that is ahead. Just carrying that burden alone in our hearts is enough to make many unable to function very well, to be emotionally hindered, sometimes unexplainably depressed, but for good reason. Lord, give us that joy. Give us that joy that could only come from you. Fill us with that joy that could only come from you. In the holy, holy name of Jesus, I pray and thank you, Father. Hallelujah and amen. Glory to God.
Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. The Courts of Heaven scriptures, we haven't done those in a while, and they are my favorite. I love them. Thank you, Jesus. I love to be reminded of them and to, because it builds my faith. I don't know about you. I, you know, I don't know. But for me, it builds my faith. It, it strengthens my faith, and I feel more emboldened 
in my morning prayers to step before that that throne room, that courtroom, and um, and feel as if in my heart that through faith I am entitled. Sometimes when I have emotional problems associated with dealing with all of the stress of my work, trying to survive, hearing the testimonies of people who are losing loved ones in horrible ways, um, splitting up of families, just horrible, just really bad things, really, really bad things. And that comes along with doing ministry work nowadays, especially when it's on, you know, when it's from the, you know, the vantage point that tribulation now is at in being so sensitive and aware of all of the earth dynamics that are in play, the, the reptilian creatures, the, you know, which are the tares in the parable, the wheat and the tares, uh, the, just all the horror. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, the portfolio of ugly is so big. It would take up pages and pages and pages to list all of the things out. And we see them all happening. We see them all coming to pass. They are coming to pass right before our eyes. We're very aware that they're trying to throw this whole monkeypox thing at us. We're very aware of the likelihood that that was also manipulated in the Wuhan labs. We're very aware that these entities, these filthy, filthy, creeping entities, these creeping things, these the, the stench of the foulness of hell itself is literally running a very humongous portion, if not 85 or 90% of the entire earth, no wonder our Heavenly Father allows China and Russia to unite together to smash and to bring humongous, horrific judgment down upon the the, the United States and its hegemon, hege, hegemony of, you know, we have 700 and some odd, I don't know what the exact number is, 700 plus military bases in over, I believe it's 185 countries, uh, all in the name of democracy, but in reality, it's in the name of global takeover. It's in the name of executing upon the Klaus Schwab a global reset, which essentially is Novus Ordo Seclorum for those of us who have known about it all of our lives or very maybe half of our lives at least on the back of the one dollar bill, which, by the way, the artwork was done by a mystic from the Far East known as Nicholas Rorick, who is working with Henry Wallace, who is the vice president of Roosevelt and was an overt Satan worshiper. She was very open about it. And that's where the artwork came from. That's why there's all these hidden owls and uh, strange satanic artwork that's intermingled upon the one. And this is why the $1 bills never change. You ever ask yourself about that? How come just about every other denomination of bill has almost, not all, but they have, they've, they've changed, they've been upgraded. But the $1 bill, that's, it's just so satanically symbolic of the evil of this country. And so many people don't want to, they really deep down inside, they don't want to believe it. They want to believe that. America is good. They want to believe what they've been programmed to believe, what they've been told as they grew up. They want to believe everybody. Doesn't everybody want to believe in good? Even the unbelievers? They do. They do. The number one hindrance of a human, of I don't care if it's a human from Taiwan, if it's a person from uh, 
Madagascar, if it's a person from Norway, South Africa, Tahiti, it doesn't matter where they're from. Everybody on this earth of 8.3 billion people, maybe 8 point you know, slightly less than 3 billion after the pandemic, but whatever the the point is this, everybody wants to believe ultimately in good. And the only ones that don't actually have, are worshipers of Satan and believe that what they're doing is good because they have an upside down view. That's the way they were trained. And they actually believe that Satan is God. It's so twisted and weird. But when you realize that people, that's their greatest hindrance. Their greatest hindrance is they cannot believe what's really happening because they cannot accept that evil can be that evil. So in our effort to attempt to awaken somebody, we're perceived as deranged. For all the right reasons. Because no one in their right mind would believe the earth could be as evil as it is. No one in their right mind could believe what we know is true. And to suggest that that is not a horrible, awful burden to carry through our daily walk is ignorant beyond expression. It is a huge burden. Laden with bouts of depression, laden with tears. I mean, sometimes I don't, I don't I can't speak for you. I don't know. I don't even know who all of you are. I'm just sitting in a dark room talking into a microphone. <laughs> with 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 a really pretty uh, uh, gold and uh, silver chalice in front of me with wine and a, some matzah, some anointing oil, and three lit candles. But I can tell you that for me, sometimes, I just, I mean, the tears come down from my eyes. So have you ever, I, I know we, we've all been in some time in our life where, the tears would roll down. I mean, they roll, and they're continuous. You know what I mean? It's not just a tear coming into your eyes. It's like three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten continuous tears coming out of your eyes, just rolling down your face. Sometimes it's because I feel sorry for myself. I admit it. Sometimes I think probably a lot of us do. Sometimes I think when I look at our situation and the burden of understanding what we do understand and our, how absolutely insane we sound to anybody else, I mean, it, it's, I don't think there are words to describe the emotions that come along with that burden. I really don't. I used to believe that there was nothing that I couldn't express with the English language. I had a, uh, I even have to this day a friend that has become a person who's become a friend of mine. Her name is Paula in France. And um, she, she said one time, she said to me one time in a, in a text message, she says, I don't know how she put it, I think something like, uh, 
um, you 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 express you express yourself or you speak English in a very posh manner. P O S H posh, um, which in Europe the word posh it, it's actually a term or a colloquialism of the United Kingdom, England. You know. And posh, we don't use the word posh in America, but they use it a lot over there. To them, posh is like, you know, if you're driving in a really, you know, if you if you, if you live in a, you know, a 20,000 square foot four-story castle and you're being driven around by a chauffeur in a stretch limousine, you're living a posh you know, lifestyle, right? That's what they mean by that. And I used to think because of my adoration for the English language, I, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I took two years of French and I can't remember, but maybe, maybe one or two small sentences, which is kind of sad. You have to practice it or you lose it. And uh, I took Latin because I wanted to understand the root words, you know, where, you know, um, and I wanted to understand where other, so many other Latin-based languages came from. And it's fascinating, too, because when you take Latin, what happens is you're able to go to other countries, and you can see the Latin root word, and oftentimes you can read the signs. You don't know exactly what they say, but you can get enough from the Latin root word, if you know how to detect it, that you get the gist of what the sign is trying to say. That's fa- It's a fascinating dynamic, if you've ever taken it. But anyway, my point being that as a professional writer, probably one of the best in my entire company, and, that, and I don't, I don't. There's other ones that can write really, really well, but I, I, I and it, and boy, it didn't come naturally. I really had to put an effort forth, and the Lord taught me. I mean, I have articles in Tribulation now from back in 2009 that are just downright poorly written. <laughs> I'm serious. Just, I go back and read some of the stuff that I wrote in articles in 2009, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. So over time, through my profession, through whatever, but I've always, even when I was uh, like in eighth grade and and like high school, the beginning of high school, I remember one of my teachers, his name was Mr. Pagliarula. (laughs) What a name, right? But he was very pedantic. Pedantic means overly... When you're pedantic, you use lots and lots of big words and expressions in a, in a, for the purpose of sounding like you're astute and posh. You do it unnecessarily. It, it, you use words that are so fancy and so and you're doing it because you want to essentially you want to impress people with your great vast wisdom because you're just that smart. But pedantic actually has a negative connotation with it because the your goal is to communicate, not to talk over people's heads. So if you're failing to communicate because you're using big words, you are pedantic and you are naughty. It's not it's not a pat on the head. Being pedantic is not a pat on the head. But Mr. Pagliarula, he used to do it on purpose because he was teasing our intellect to become intrigued with vocabulary because that was his job. And I was just one of those kids that just sat there and listened to him in awe. Synonyms to me were amazing. 
I loved it. And even to this day, when I write a paper for a client, I always have the thesaurus.com open on my screen because you can't repeat the same adjective twice in a sentence or even nearby each other in two separate sentences because it's just poor. It doesn't read well. It's one thing to be grammar correct. It's another thing for it to read eloquently and properly so that the person can read it quickly and it's highly professional. And there's just little things that you learn over time that you can't do. And repetitive words can't be used. You can't do that. So if you're saying something is this, you can't say you can't use the same adjective over and over again. You just can't. You just you can't re- use repetitive words. You cannot use the same adjective over and over again. So you so you've got to learn to use synonyms to express what it is you're trying to say in that sentence without any repetitiveness. There's an art to grammar that it goes beyond what's acceptable grammar. So the grammar checkers won't find it. They'll say that it's perfectly fine. But when you read it, it just doesn't read smooth. It reads repetitive. It's not quality. Why do I even mention this? Because we've come to a place right now on the earth where I am... There you go. You're seeing it in action. I am not a person who is ever lost for words. <laughs> okay? All right? I'm just letting you know. It's live testimony, live on this program right now. Praise God. I am never lost for words. Now, sometimes I'll do like Jesus does, and I won't say anything, or I'll say a couple of words to allow the individual to come to their own conclusion, hopefully the one that I hope, like inside me, I'm hoping that they're going to come to the conclusion that I want them to come to. You know, remember when the Pharisees said to Jesus, are you the son of God? And Jesus said to them, you have said so. See, to the Pharisees, that was absolutely inconclusive. In fact, they probably saw it as a rebellious uh, attitude toward their authority, making them hate him even more. So sometimes I employ those tactics when I'm being attacked because it diffuses the situation. It's, 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 It's a sociological skill that takes a long, long time to learn and to be able to execute impromptu. In other words, having no warning, no preparation whatsoever, and you're getting bombarded by and attacked by words or somebody's accusing you of something or whatever the case may be, and Jesus had that skill. And little by little, I've learned it over years. And I can use it professionally, which is very advantageous. But for me to come to a place in my walk in Christ after 11 years of doing this work where I frequently am unable to finish a sentence, I frequently am trying to express how I feel or what I have seen or what I am going through or what I see happening in the body of Christ or what I see happening to people and their families. And all the evil and all the things that are happening, the whole enchilada, the whole whole thing, the whole world, uh, the, the, the portfolio, the humongous 
portfolio of things that are happening that are all end times related and, and are mappable in many cases directly to specific scriptures. And to be a part of that, to be awake and aware, to have been, well, I suppose, blessed to some degree, um, to be to 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 have to have a relatively advanced understanding, if there is a such thing, of the things that are happening across the world, like so many of us have, which is a blessing in. <sighs> an agonizing place to be in our walk. A burdensome place to have to reside. Meaning of the colloquialism, ignorance is bliss, takes on a whole nother magnitude of power and its intended connotation. Making us off, making me personally wish I didn't know what I know frequently, but having to carry that burden. It's a big burden, and I think most of us know about it. Wishing we could down a whole bottle of blue pills and just let some of it go. But at the same time, realizing that it gives us this strange amazing advantage when we're able to see things from multiple viewpoints from the viewpoint of the throne room imagine being so blessed with being able to see all the things that are happening across the world and have a pretty pretty good more than 80% probably level of accuracy in our understanding of all of these things, their origins, their impact, where they line up in the Bible, where they're leading to. There was a power outage in Rogers Communication in Canada, and the vast majority of Christians that I've communicated with that believed that it was some sort of an attack, some sort of an execution of the global reset that they were experiencing because people were standing at lines at ATM machines and banks because Rogers, you know, Canada is a very weird country. I'm sorry. For those of you who live in Canada, God bless you, but it's really just like an, a state. To the United States, Canada is really just like another version of California, really. Um, and that's not meant to be a, 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 you know, a dig on Canada. I think Canada is beautiful. Alberta is one of the most unbelievably beautiful places that God has ever created on the earth. Bomb? Are you kidding me? I would do anything to have a small home in the outskirts of Bomb and be able to hang out at Lake Louise. <laughs> that to me would be like a heavenly dream. But I wouldn't want to be subject to the Canadian Illuminati authorities. And it's pretty darn scary where they're heading. It's pretty darn scary. But the, this this idea that this this ISP called Rogers Communications, could basically have some yo-yo trip over a power cord and take out, you know, a large portion of their banking system. <laughs> you know, it's just unbelievable. I was even joking with somebody from up in Ontario, um, Sister Vera, who helps me out a lot. Uh, I, was, I said, you know what, I bet you it was those doggone beavers. <laughs> and she said it probably was the beavers. Oh, Hallelujah. 
But unfortunately, and sadly for us, those of us who hunger and thirst for being transformed into our new bodies and being in the presence of Jesus, it wasn't the global reset. It wasn't a cyber attack. It was probably somebody tripping over a power cord. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but it was. Those things happen, you know. Now they shouldn't happen in a properly, you know, established, you know, uh, internet service provider ecosystem. Let's just leave it at that. But they do happen. They do. Nickel problems do happen. All those systems, no matter how big they get, I don't care if it's Google, Apple, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. None of them are 100% resilient. Technical difficulties can happen, and it, it's not always some evil cyber squad from China starting the global reset like we think. Our knee-jerk reaction, because of what we know, is that everything is the worst-case scenario because we're looking for it. So if we're driving down the road in Canada, <laughs> where we live maybe, and we're seeing everybody standing in lines and people are like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Oh, my gosh, what happened? What I would want to do if I lived in Canada or Madagascar or any or, or Namibia or, you know, Belarus or wherever, what I would want to know is what's going on in the rest of the world. Because it would be kind of not really a, a good quality analysis of the problem to look at only where I am. Because if the, if, the, if, if the forces of darkness, the global satanic crime syndicate, were to launch a cyber attack against the banking system as they have threatened to do, and as they are currently doing a tabletop exercise and practicing for, they certainly wouldn't just target Canada. What a waste of time that would be. Not that, not, not, you know, again, that would be the equivalent of attacking only California. California and Canada have almost exactly the same population. And pra practically, really, you could make the argument the same amount of inhabitable land. Canada looks really big on the globe, but the vast majority of Canada is uninhabitable by humans. It's too cold. And there's too many hungry grizzly bears standing outside. And beavers saying, welcome to Canada. <laughs> Praise God. But when, let's just assume or presume that perhaps Klaus Schwab, clearly one of the most satanic beings on the face of the earth, oh, but he's got a lot of friends. Let's just pretend that they organize and launch the command to do the cyber attack, to take down the global banking system as they're practicing currently today in their tabletop exercises, which strongly indicates that, that, that they are going to execute on that plan. What we need to watch out for is the magnitude of it. If they're going to attack the United States, they're not going to just attack California. In fact, in order to make it worthwhile to even bother, to bother with it, 
it's got to be huge. It's got to take out all the banks in, in Europe. It's got to take out all the banks. It's got to take out the Swiss Bank of uh, International Trades. Uh, I forget how, what they call that one. It's got to, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank's got to go down. Every single, every dag-nabbed country. I'm telling Tasmania, Australia, Bora Bora, Papa Al New Guinea, they've all got to go down. Now, granted, they may not take down Russia, China. They may not take down those who they are counting on destroying the rest of the world. See, when you know what the global, when, the, when you understand what their end game is, They want to bring down Europe. They want to destroy Europe, destroy America, destroy Australia, and they're well on their way, although I'm deeply troubled that there appears to be a pause in the game. But it's only an appearance. There's no guarantees. I just personally get troubled in my heart whenever I see anything that's an economic indicator, uh, you know, like the jobs market that looks like things are getting better. But I, but I guess if I did a side-by-side -side comparison and I made a column on a piece of paper and I made a list of the news reports that sound like things are getting better, I think I'd only have about four or five items. But that's enough to trouble me. I don't like that probably only have four or five items and all of the things that are bad and getting worse would probably be like a list of a hundred things. So percentage wise, the positive indicators, you know, the, this vast number of Democrats that are now renouncing their allegiance to Biden because they're afraid for their jobs. They know that Nobody, you know, that they just realize they're, they're starting to wake up. They're, they're allegiance, they know that their allegiance to the Democratic Party and to Joe Biden is going to threaten their ability to get reelected and feed their children. So there's this mass exodus. But here's the thing. The net result of that is it, it, it is going to hinder it is bad news for Obama-Biden, for the Antichrist. It's bad news for them. Ideally, they want unity. They want, all, they, they want the whole Democratic Party to be a big bunch of AOCs. There was even one person asking that individual to uh, run for, for the presidency. And I'm like, that's when I start swimming. Forget it. I'm going over to Fort Lauderdale. I'm jumping in the Atlantic, and I'm going to swim as hard as I can away from this country. I don't care where I end up. <laughs> At least that's how I feel. Of course, I'd probably peter out, die, and drown before I got 20 feet out in the water in my current shape. But I'm just saying, that's what I would like to do. Again, the point being, amidst all of the other surrounding context, is that I'm blown away. Truly, truly, truly blown away by all the things that are happening right now. And my own personal inability to articulate them adequately. I've run out of adjectives. I've run out of adverbs. My thesaurus isn't big enough. And I stutter. And I do not stutter. Ever. So when I pause and I'm like, eh, 
and I'm trying to think of a word. I'm trying to think of something that would express adequately the frustration, the magnitude of the burden associated with carrying this understanding and knowing what's going on, having to go out of my way. I really push myself super hard. There was a prophecy that, that was that I, I I would say that one out of every eight prophecies that I spot from the very few prophets that I will even pay any attention to, probably only one of eight, and that's just a guess off the off my you know off the cuff. Probably only one out of every eight do I even see meaningful. I'm not going to get into the details, but I and that one out of eight, one, there was one recently that that basically said something along the lines of that my children are so deeply troubled by the things that are happening around them that is even hampering their desire to pray. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I can relate to being so overwhelmed with all the ugly around us, all the testimonies of fellow brothers and sisters that I've known in some cases for years, maybe only via email or text messaging, that are going through unspeakable, awful things. Family members dying, agonizing deaths. Marriages breaking up for the most unbelievable satanic reasons you could ever believe. Just like the Bible says, all happening. The Bible is literally a newspaper right now to those of us who are awake. And then realizing that we've probably only just begun. Not that I want to start singing Karen Carpenter songs. Is a huge burden. And it becomes so overwhelming that sometimes you don't even know where to start to pray. It's just, it, you feel, it, it's like being crushed under huge logs and you can barely breathe because, and, and I'm talking about, you know, metaphorically here, of course, but you're just so overwhelmed. It's like, where do I begin? And what's the point? Because even as you pray, you see that our Heavenly Father is ushering along at ever-increasing speed the depth of the darkness, the collapse of mankind, the plan of Satan, which ultimately is the plan of the Holy Bible. That's why it's in there. Oh, yes. Seems like a paradox, but it's not. Not that one. It is a very, very challenging time for all of us. And I do spend time quite a bit in tears, on my knees, anointed with oil, and praying for every single one of you, even on days, not not just during the prayer vigil. No, 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 no. And I, I, I really... It takes a long time, too. I have to get up at like 4 a.m. I I actually set an alarm, a continuous alarm, Monday through Friday for 4 a.m. because I surrender. I really wanted to get more sleep because I'm older now and I need it. But it's just no point in it. In 
fact, if I get much more than three and a half to five hours of sleep by some miracle, um, I don't even feel very good. I actually feel better when I have like four and a half, five hours of sleep, which is really weird and I don't understand it. But I need the time to pray. I need that extra time. So I just surrendered and said, okay, 4 o'clock it is. It was 4.30 for a long, long time. It was 5 for a long, long time. But nowadays, it's not enough time. It's got to be 4. And what's really bizarre about it all is I actually feel better when I don't sleep ex- you know, a couple extra hours. Why is that? I don't know. Is it supernatural? Maybe. But the burden that we all have to carry by our understanding of the things that are happening around us make it so hard. I mean, I just have to surrender because there aren't words. So I either stutter or as I hunt for words that are adequate, which they, there aren't, we've come to a place right now where my vocabulary, as good as it is, it's not as good as some, but pretty good, is inadequate. With all the synonyms and all the, you know, even understanding the word stupefied and how it, it implies that the person is so astonished that they're able, they're not able to form words. Being stupefied basically means you're so astonished you're not able to talk. So I guess I'm living in a continuous state of stupefied. I don't think there's a term called stupefaction, <laughs> but there's sort of like needs to be if there isn't. It's kind of like where I'm, where I reside. I literally, and I think you can relate. I think, I believe in my heart, I really feel in my heart that there are an awful lot of people listening to this program right now that totally get it. You're literally stupefied continuously. And that, if left untamed, can lead to depression, crushing tears, sort of a desperate feeling of not knowing which way to turn, knowing, and then not so surprisingly realizing that the only place you're happy is on your knees talking to the Lord in the dark. I like it to be real dark. I, like I said before, I don't even want a bird tweeting. I don't want to hear a crow. I don't want to see any cracks of light coming through the window. I want one thousand percent intimacy with the Lord when I'm praying. Uninterruptible focus with my phone muted. I actually have an application, a special app installed that keeps my phone sound completely shut off until a particular time in the morning. So I have unhindered prayer time. I don't want anything bugging me. I don't want anything happening. And I, <laughs> if anything does, and yeah, I will. I will. Let's just say, if any any one of my electronic devices decides to make noise while I'm trying to pray, if that device survives to the next day, <laughs> it's actually kind of a mini miracle. But I will often, if something, if one of my devices, because I'm, I'm a techie and I can't help it, and it's just, I have home automation devices, and if something makes a sound, I will literally, literally grab that device and rip the cords out of the back of it. 
and then start speaking in tongues for about five minutes to get back into that place, that synergy with the Godhead, that presence of God where you feel it's like the only place you can go. You dread, even though you're working from home in some cases, we're blessed with that. I'm blessed with that, you know, unless i got to travel. But you dread even walking into your office. You dread it. Want to face another day. It's not that your job is so horrible necessarily, although it can be. It's not that it's any one thing. It's the whole package. It's all of it. It's a humongous burden that there are not words to describe. And even using the word stupefied doesn't cut it. It's inadequate to describe the magnitude of the challenge associated with carrying such a vast burden. Where do you begin? Who do you pray for? Why is this happening to Sister Sally? Why is this happening to Brother Frank? Why are people dying like they are? What is going wrong? Why aren't my prayers being answered? What is going on here? And then forgetting to praise God and thanking Him forevermore. Even though you don't see any evidence of any of your prayers being answered, you are, from the bottom of your heart, you are praising Him because you know that they're being answered. And the key word there is know, not believe. You know they're being answered. That's a whole nother level of faith. And that's what we're commanded to do. That is an expression of true faith. Knowing that the very testing of our loyalty and obedience to God may require us to praise him for unanswered prayer, what we see, we think are unanswered prayers, but that's a lie from the devil. Because Satan wants us to doubt. To know in your heart, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that God is going to answer those prayers. And you are so grateful. Because you know it. You know it. And it doesn't matter how many years, how many years you see no evidence of it at all. And you know what? You may die and go to heaven and still never see it. Because God has a more perfect plan. He's going to answer. But he's going to do it in an incredible way. not for us to judge. It's not for us to be concerned about. We just trust like little children because we know our Father. And we believe Him. We believe in our Jesus. We know. And when you know, you finally get some peace. You might be in that corner crying. You might be walking through your house in despair. You might be just absolutely unable to deal with one more bad negative piece of information. You are at your wit's end. You are about to explode. You are just beyond 
being able to emotionally handle the situations and all of the things that are happening in your life. But we have to transcend that, get back into the secret place of the Most High, be on our knees, be in that peace, in that presence, knowing and praising because we know. And that's when you get that peace. That's amazing. I praise God that I'm able to convey that as inadequately as it may be. At least it probably makes a little bit of sense to some, particularly if you have any similarities in the challenges of your life that I have in mine. They don't, none of us have the same portfolio of problems. We all have different problems. But the magnitude of each one of our, again, portfolio catalog of problems, the list of problems that we're dealing with, they are created uniquely for us. Which, by the way, is scriptural. The unique creation of of a, a unique list of problems for each of us, that part isn't scriptural. But what is scriptural is that it is through trials, it is through tribulation, it is through difficulties, it is through all of the ugly that we have to go through. That's part of our journey to bring us to the place of glory and to ultimately make it in heaven. And in a sense, that list of problems that we're all dealing with, that ugly, that that huge Sears catalog of ugly, 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 uglier, 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 more people dying, more friends, more family in the hospital, dropping dead like flies. I mean, you know, and, and oh, God, not another. Oh, Lord Jesus. You know, that that is that is in a way it's our own custom thorn in the flesh. You ever think of that? When things are going really good for us. What do we do? When things are going really, really, really bad for us and we're overwhelmed with ugly, what do you do? I feel guilty for realizing that when I lost my job back in, I don't know, 2004 maybe was it or something like that, and the company had dumped 1,300 people in my profession out into the Tampa Bay area. Devastating. The lines for the – any job that was available, there were lines, lines and lines and lines. You would have to wait two and a half to three weeks to even get your chance to maybe have an interview. In the most demanded, the most – understaffed, desperately in-demand profession in the world. It took me, I was out of work for four months, easy. That's impossible. That is literally impossible. But it happened. And during that time, I knew, maybe it was a supernatural anointing that I knew, maybe it was my understanding of the scripture that I knew, maybe it was my upbringing that, that made me know it. I don't know. I don't know. But I knew that every single day that I got up over those four months without a job, all the money that I'd saved my entire life, 
In fact, I just said to myself, you know what? If I don't be perfect before God right now, if I don't wake up and stand in my office every single day, I put on praise music all day. Well, I don't know if it was all day long, but it was for hours and hours. Every single day I would put on loud praise music and I would stand in my office with my hands raised to God, tears coming down my eyes, praising him because I knew he was going to give me a job for four months every day. Didn't miss a beat. I went on job interviews. I was more discouraged and disappointed, but every time I left one of those incredibly disappointing job interview situations, I got in my car and I sung praise. I pulled back my sunroof, raised my hands out of it, and glorified God all the way home when I had every reason to be upset. But I praised God, praised him, praised him, praised him. I was running out of money. I was going to get kicked out of my house. Uh, You know, what what do they call that? Uh, Evicted, you know, when the mortgage company shuts shuts you down. But anyway, I was on the precipice of that occurring. And you know what I did? Instead of clamping down on my money, I literally went to the bank, pulled out thousands, and seeded it into the kingdom of God. Now, I don't expect that uh, I will receive a single reward for doing that. And the reason for that is because anything that we do not do out of love profits us nothing, which is in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. It's right there. I think it's in the midst of 13. It It profits us nothing. We can give our bodies to be burned, whatever. But if we don't do it out of love, it profits us nothing. Well, I gave that money. I seeded that money as an act of faith because I believed that God would reward me for that. That was not done out of love. So I, I but, but the overarching, complete collection of behaviors that I exhibited over those four months – willing to just seed into the kingdom with the last of my money, total surrender, total abandon, total praise, total worship, completely convinced, would not give up, praise, 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 in a desperate situation that could not be overcome. The the Hundreds of people in in line, no chance of a job whatsoever, going to lose my house, going to be homeless. It is inevitable. Inevitable. And I stood in my office and I praised with tears coming down my eyes and my hands held high, glorifying God. And then one day my phone rang. I I didn't have enough money in the bank to probably last another month before I got the foreclosure. You know, they, they, it, takes, it takes them a while. It takes them about a month or so before they send you the letter. But I was I was exhausted. It was out. But I keep kept on praising. The phone rang. And this woman said, "Hi, I'm so and so from such and such a company. Would it be possible for you to drive three hours and meet with a man by the name of, you know, Bill something, uh, up in Jacksonville, this coming Saturday at one o'clock?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And I um. I was hopeful, but I'd been turned down so many other opportunities. But 
I was hopeful, so I drove it. Drove three hours up praising God, walked in, Mexican restaurant, two men standing there. Went over, said hello, got a margarita, started the conversation. We laughed, we had a good time. And I came back home, got a phone call and an offer. Three times more money than I made at the job that I was terminated from. Three times. Multiply times three. Gross salary times three. When I saw the offer letter, I almost, I was, I was stupefied. But I had to wait until I lost everything. The only thing I had not lost was my car and my house. And I was on the very edge of a foreclosure letter. My savings, which was significant, was completely gone. And the offer came in the very last minute. Why, you suppose? Because I wouldn't quit. I didn't stop praising God. I never once stopped and cried and doubted and said, why, why? Why? Not once did I ever do that. Over four months of misery, pending doom, pending loss of everything that I've ever done in my entire life. No place to turn, no place to go, no place to live. Nothing. Every reason in the world to be discouraged. Every reason in the world to be certain that God had turned against me. Every reason in the world to say, why hast thou forsaken me? And I didn't. I just kept on praising, no matter how desperate it got. And that supernatural call came in, literally before the ship sank to the depths of the bottom of the ocean. And I wish I could tell you the name of the company. I can't. But if I did, you would be astonished because the name of the company was very biblical and very Jesus. In fact, when I told Jonathan Click about it, he laughed so hard. He, I, I thought he was going to literally drop the phone. He's like, did you say blank, blank, blank? And I said, yes. He goes, oh, my gosh. You know, the name of the company, it's like right out of the Bible. Anyway, praise God. I hope that that encourages you because it encourages me now because in the midst of the burden that we have to carry in our lives wow I can't believe the time I always schedule these for three hours but I can't believe how fast the three hours goes by but in the midst of the humongousness, and I'm going to make up words because I don't have the words. They don't exist. In the midst of the humongousness of the burden that we have to carry, of the trials and tribulations that we're going through, possibly not even as bad as they're going to get, every single one of us is going to have to come to that place that I was in where all was lost. The writing was on the wall. But nothing could stop me from praising God every single morning. 
nothing. Because I knew if I was going to go down, I was going to go down praising Jesus all the way until I was homeless. I was determined. And you know what? I think all of us are going to have to come to that place. I don't know for how long. And I think we need to get there now. I think we need to get there now. Praise God. And just start praising our way through the pain. Praising our way through the trials and the tribulations and the things that we cannot, the things that depress us, the things that bum us out, the, the discouragement, the frustration, the, the agonizing loneliness, our desperacy to have fellowship, someone to talk to that understands, someone that we can relate to, someone we can... The Bible admonishes us to seek fellowship amongst our brothers and sisters, and especially as we see that end coming. And look at our situation. Kind of a bummer, really, when you think about it. We can't. God has blessed us so much with wisdom and understanding of the things that are happening in the world that no matter how advanced someone else may be, we still come across as being absolute raving lunatics to them. But you know what? I think that that is the level of commitment our Father wants. I think that's the level of commitment our Lord Jesus wants. And I think our Father and our Lord Jesus know very, very well the magnitude of the burden that we carry. Very, very well. And I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible says, Our Heavenly Father's mercy endures forever. And that psalm, which I forget which number it is, that the whole psalm just says, His mercy endures forever. This, that, and the other thing is mercy endures forever. This, that, and the other thing is mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, David said. Praise God. And given the time that we have, and I don't even know if we can do this, but we'll try to do a traditional communion. Or at least the one, you know, traditional meaning the ones that we usually do with the music and stuff. I just don't know if we can pull it off in 15 minutes. I never timed it. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you will anoint us, purify us like Titus 1.15 to the pure. All things are pure. Lead us, guide us, give us peace. Help us to praise you and know and believe. Know beyond any shadow of a doubt. Because that knowing gives us that peace, that serenity. We praise you for that. and We thank you. And with that, Father, we honor you. We honor you, Jesus. Thank you for every prayer, every word, every advocacy, every, every moment of advocacy before the throne on our behalf. I never did get to read the Courts of Heaven Scripture. I really wanted to. I need another hour. <laughs> I just don't have that. 
it costs a lot of money to get a, a, a blog talk package that gives you more than three hours. <laughs> I can tell you. It's a lot more extra than I've got, that's for sure. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's enter into communion together. Praise God. Disciples were seated about you at the eve of a man's bread. You said I eagerly yearn for this supper, and that you suffer so with children could be fed. I can only imagine the silence in the room as you passed on the bread to be torn. The lady not understand. Reach of his plan in his love we were told to rejoice not to mourn so we gather from memory the glory of the lamb the one who was slain for the seed of abraham as we long for your coming we imagine the feast, the king and his bride when our waiting has ceased He arose and went back up to heaven To speak to the heavenly courts You lifted the cup of forgiveness It was paid, it was done You had power to call And I can only imagine The thunder down As though heaven exploded in tears We were freed from our chains now all that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win. So we gather remembering the healer of our soul, destroyer of death, the Lord of our all, the light in our arms, the edge of our sword, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. For we believe in a land, all of creation, restored by his hand, eternity, all is revealed. By the time we remember, all skies will be healed. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased.
For I would come for you one day I gave you my word so you would know The time I'd come and take you It's time for you to look around The signs I gave for coming down Don't be called a sleeping blind You don't want to be left Come and be home. 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 The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I receive from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup, is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani. Lodoti, Lodoti Lee. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Born to shine for his king. 
the God you lived in our place. You were seeking what was lost. And I know any place, anywhere that you've been, you were bound to live without sin, regardless of the cause. Yes, I know you were killed for all that we owe, for the sake of all eternity, you died for me. You were strong, you were kind, you were just, you were aiming for the goal. And you were smiling, always strong and secure through your word, like a shepherd guiding his herd, giving shelter. Tender soul Cause I know That your word holds power to grow Through the spirit and serenity It's eternity You were hurt for my offense. You were sick for my deceit. You were poor for my prosperity. You were strong when I am weak. I praise you, my Redeemer. I praise you, Majesty. You were left by God Almighty to always be with me. And I know I will never be And I know 
you will be wherever I go. If trouble rises and you'll be for me. And you know, I will always follow you. To spread the word, to be a speaker of truth. I trust in you, all that I do. you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing.